Hey, I am uh, uh, Stuart, and she's still Vaughn, and we're back here again. All of a sudden, we just popped up on your screen. Good morning. How are you? I'm, I'm well. How you're, are you? And you're, you're inside again. You're, I am. For, I have a couple reasons for that. Um, first of all, um, the lawn people are coming earlier than they usually come, and then so the, I've got the lawnmowers and the blowers and all going behind me. But also because I have allergies right now, and um, it's starting up already. It's starting up already, and I had I have already been out for my morning, you know, miles out on the, you know, in the and I I was sneezing all the way back up the street. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay inside today, and uh, you know. I'll go back outside when it's it was cooler here. Actually, it is nice, but I'm yeah, it, it's it's not bad. But I know exactly what you're talking about because now the 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 trees are changing over from that summertime to the fall, and I don't notice it as much when I'm outside, like when I'm walking the dog. But I come back in the house, and probably within five or ten minutes, all of a sudden I'm sneezing and I'm sniffling a little bit. And I know that it's probably exposure to something out there, but there's so many different things. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't know. I thought I heard that um, ragweed was pretty bad right now. Did I hear that correctly? Is it ragweed? I, I, I don't even know because I've never really had allergies to, to pollens that I know of or grasses, but it's just... We, we have such a combination of those things, especially when you walk along a path uh, or go in areas where there are lots of different uh, uh, trees and bushes and flowers and you know, such a variety. You just don't know where it's coming from. Yeah, true. Unless you go and get all those tests to identify exactly what, you know. Right. Yeah. And, me, and for right now, I'd rather blow my nose. Oh, well, I'm actually, that's why I'm saying I'm going to be sniffling through this, through this show today. Cause I'm, yeah, but I'm well and I'm good and I'm glad to be here today. Um, have you heard anything from the, have you heard anything from the school system? Uh, uh, because I know you're a substitute school teacher and, uh, have you had this ongoing dialogue with them as to, uh, are we looking at virtual for another month or two or, this this hybrid idea is that how is that playing out? I'm I'm curious from your perspective as to what's what's going on with that. Well, I haven't been back in the schools yet this year under the circumstances. I just haven't you know I haven't been back into the into any of the schools yet. But I know that my neighbor's children have gone back to school in classroom experience. Um, they did virtual the first, I think, week and a half, and now they're back in the classroom. One's a kindergartner, the other's preschool. And so they are, um, I guess, schooling right now as normal as possible. However, it changes every, it, it can change on a daily basis because for example, they were kind of rocking along, doing just fine. And then a friend of hers in another classroom, uh, somebody got the virus. And so the entire classroom 
was then uh, you know sent home. They were they were immediately separated from the rest of the student body. And what I mean by that is, as soon as word came that this one student in this one class was positive, they even dismissed these children separately from everybody else. They had to leave the building first. They had to sit on a separate curb, get picked up by their parents separately. Um, and so there are obviously there are rules in place for as things develop in these schools, how do you then handle the situation once somebody is um, diagnosed positive? So this whole class now um, will quarantine at home for 14 days before they can return to the building. So they will now be virtual. So while they were virtual in the beginning, then they had their, then they were allowed to go into the classroom. Agree, yeah. Now they're virtual again. So it's, it's, it's not a good situation. I mean, these kids are, especially the younger ones and even the older ones are having a tough time learning under these circumstances. It's very choppy. There are a lot of unknowns, hard to plan things, uh, even for the teachers. So, um, you know, I then can't what even do you imagine what, you know, the, the stress that it is putting on the teachers, the parents, and the students uh, yeah. to really not know from week to week, are we going to be in the classroom? Are we going to be home? The parents have to make arrangements if the kids are going to be home uh, yeah. to, to, to make sure that somebody is there to assist them. Uh, the teachers are, you know, working on a lesson plan that they either have to deliver virtually or in the classroom. Uh, and all at the same time, everybody's looking over their shoulders uh, to see, uh, if anybody's going to get sick and how that's going to impact the whole process. Right. It's, it's, it's very complicated and it's, it's extremely, you know, I don't know what the domino effect of this is going to look like as we move forward. And what I mean by that is um, you have children who are having a very difficult time learning under these circumstances as our teachers having a very difficult time teaching under these circumstances it's very, very complicated. It's not an effective way. I mean, obviously, we're trying to consider and manage the health and well-being of everyone. Right, um, right. But, but at a great cost in terms of these kids' education and losing some serious traction during these ed developmental, you know, during this developmental time, you know, you have children in kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade who are trying to, to learn virtually. And you it's very difficult to ask questions, to have a dialogue with your teacher or your professor, um, because my girls are schooling online and they're in college. Um, I have an example of a friend of mine whose daughter just called home today and she said, I am having trouble in my class. Um, I think it's, um, I wanna say it was, uh, calculus maybe or want something a math class and she had a question under normal circumstances she could ask her teacher the professor the question right there in class but, yeah, she I, had to make she had to make an appointment and she's already four people behind so she might not be able to ask this question for maybe another couple days so it's um it's really very it's beyond unfortunate it, it's going to be detrimental in, in some regards to some of these kids I heard the the um, superintendent of the Dallas 
school district, Dallas, you know, Dallas Independent School District. I believe it was the superintendent who was speaking. And he said that right now, and don't quote me on this number, but it was in the thousands, about approximately 14 to 1500 students in DISD right now are unaccounted for. That means they're not schooling in person or virtually. They're just not doing it. So now you've got a whole other sector of students who are just simply not, not schooling at all. And so I can only imagine uh, look where this is going to take these kids if this sure. lasts through the school year. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm sure there's a certain percentage of those students that can learn under any circumstances. Sure. They have the ability to comprehend yep. it uh, and all, but uh, there have to be so many more. Uh, I was one of those. I really had to study hard in order to comprehend uh, what I was doing. And for those kids that already struggle a little bit with either being in the classroom or being in front of a screen, to be like a ping pong ball going back and forth and trying to maintain that level of of learning ability has got to be, you know, then you're going to wonder a year from now, what happens if some of those students have not really kind of made it? Are they going to be held back? And how is that going to, to affect the, you know, the, the whole the whole uh, yeah, it's, you know, program. It, it's hard to put together the whole equation right now because we don't have all the numbers, yep. you know, but it, and it, this kind of also translates uh, talking about the professional world. I know you and I had talked today about um, visiting a few top news stories right now or, or news that's trending right now that triggers um, not controversy so much, but varying opinions and this makes me think of a lot of the articles that I'm reading right now about not only remote learning, but remote working um, from home remotely uh, uh, in the workforce, uh, the pros and cons of that. You can you, you read a lot of articles right now about um, businesses that are not allowing their employees to come back in unless they are essential. Uh, businesses that are trying to get their employees to come back because they believe that even if they're not essential, they would like them in the office. They like the face-to-face. -face, they like the interaction. They like what comes from that. Um, but I think a lot of businesses, corporations, uh, whatnot are hesitant uh, just because right now I would think it's very much a legal thing to even, you know, you have to be very careful saying you have to do, do this or you have to do this, you have to come in. Because I think the bottom line is if you're not comfortable with it right now, it's still very acceptable to not go into the to the office. Um, and some offices are fine with that. My neighbor is uh, over her regional office here and she is recommending that her people stay home as long as they can, at least through this year. And they were working remotely. Um, conversely, I have a, another friend of mine who's wanting his employees to come back to the office and is trying very much to uh, uh, put together or kind of redesign his kind of uh, work logistics to where they feel comfortable coming back. Right. But he's, he feels that it's very important to get them back into the office, to have that physical kind of... 
So that's something that's been in the news a lot lately. And there are many different ways to, to look at that. Can you work from home remotely effectively? Um, can you still produce and excel? And um, I don't know. I don't know if there's an answer. It's probably depends on your line of work. Well, yeah, you know, there there are a lot lots of businesses and everything that are are adapting to a virtual world. I mean, even uh, uh, lawyers and accountants uh, and all can can meet with their clients virtually. In many cases, doctors are also meeting with their their uh, uh, you know their their clients uh, virtually. Their their patients either reviewing or or doing initial diagnoses in order to keep the in-person visits down to a bare minimum. Uh, The one industry, though, and we've talked about this, and it is not unique just to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, this is nationwide, is the hospitality industry. Uh, These restaurants and and cafes, and most of them are are mama-papa operations, uh, are really feeling the crunch. I just read a statistic that said that at the current rate right now, by the end of the year, it could be close to 50% of all small mama papa independent restaurants and cafes and everything will be gone. They'll be gone because they just cannot make it uh, with reduced uh, numbers of people. They also cannot make it because of the overhead costs that are involved in running that business. And we've seen it already. Lots of restaurants have closed their doors. Yeah. And not temporarily. I'm, right. I'm talking permanently. Some yes. have been able to adapt to having sidewalk uh, seating in order to, to, to uh, stay alive. Many of them have order, order online and either pick it up or will deliver it. They're doing everything they can to stay in business. And, that's, yeah. and it's an endorsement that we can send to those that are watching and listening across the country, get out there and, and support your, your independent businesses and especially those food service businesses, give them your business. And and I'm not taking anything away from the fast food chains because if they, if they have a, you know, a store that closes down, it's not that big of a deal, but those independents that, that their livelihood depends on their restaurants, place an order, pick up and, and, and bring it home. Uh, or eat eat out outdoors if necessary. Uh, those those are the kind of things that we can do uh, to try and, and and save the hospitality industry. You and know, here, I, in, you know, I, here in, in 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 Frisco in our area, uh, the arts. We've talked about the arts. A lot of the arts in our community, as well as around the country, depend on the occupancy tax for visitors coming to the area and staying in the hotels and eating in those restaurants. And many of them are just at either low capacity or, or close to zero capacity. It is not creating enough in order to keep the arts programs. It's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a, a round Robin type of a, of a situation. It's, it's, a, it's a shame, but. Well, it's, 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 yes, I, I think, a sh- it's a shame is not even a strong enough word, really. Yeah. It's devastating, and uh, that's you're you're kind of bringing me to 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 another story that's been in the news a lot lately, which is the small business 
which is the small businesses closing. And I, I have to say, I read one article that was very disturbing. I didn't realize when you think of small businesses, you might kind of just look not any further than your own backyard and, and, and you, you consider your small businesses in your local community. But what I didn't know is that small businesses actually make up over 44% of our total economic activity. So that's mm -hmm. almost 50%. So when you say small businesses are closing here and there and everywhere, it's not just a little mom and pop here that's not really contributing anyway much so they we we can survive without them kind of thought process it's very significant it's extra when you consider i think i read and i didn't make note i want to say it was uh, around sixty-five thousand. Sixty-five thousand small businesses have closed wow. since march 1st in our country and when you think of sixty-five thousand businesses closing since march 1st and you consider that small businesses how and again, there, there are definitions for small businesses, make up almost 45% of our total economic activity. That is a very significant number. And so uh, that is something else that makes me kind of also, you know, kind of raise an eyebrow because you have some businesses closing because they've been mandated, it's been mandated that they close because of capacity or whatever, they're a bar perhaps, or whatever the reason is, or, or just customers weren't coming in, they were not feeling comfortable with that yet, or whatever the reason. I find it just very inconsistent because you have some bit small businesses that are actually doing very well. Um, they are doing well with the curbside and whatnot, um, whether they're a restaurant or retail. And so, um, it's, it's, it's inconsistent too, because you have some businesses that have been, uh, told that they are not, I, I think even, um, there are some, there are some water, for example, there are some water parks that are open, but then there are some other water parks that I guess are not open. And again, I don't know if it's, is it because they don't sell food at that water park and you can open if you sell food? I don't know, but then you have beaches that are open that are packed jammed, but you have churches and schools and, and businesses that are closed because of capacity. But that doesn't make sense to me because it just is inconsistent because when you look across the board, you see varying, yeah. ac varying activities kind of going on. So I don't know, it's, it's confusing. Um, well, yeah, so, and so, sometimes it's the business's ability to follow the guidelines. Uh, you know, for for instance, uh, we were in a restaurant about a week ago. Uh, the the staff were wearing masks, but they had the masks pulled down under their nose, or in a couple cases, it was like under their chin. I mean, they they had the masks because they were required to have them, but they weren't wearing them properly. So the you know the, the kind of the level of comfort was a little bit lower. You go to other places where the management has said, you will you will do this, you will wear the masks and everything. And when you have a customer that comes into your department or so, as soon as they leave, out come the wipes and you take care of your area. So a lot of it is the ability of management to follow the guidelines. Now, flip the page. There are some businesses that are saying, wait a minute, 
you can't tell me how to run my business. That if I if I want to open it up and I want to let people in and they don't have to wear a mask, then that's that's my right. And so we we as a society have to kind of decide which way are we going to go. And uh, as a senior, uh, I'm going to go the route of saying that if you're not going to follow the guidelines right now, while the 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 instances of new cases is it's not spiking, but it's still at a level that's high enough that I could be at risk. I ain't going there. Just, yeah. just not going to do it. I think my observation has been, for the most part, people that I've been around in public places have been very much respectful of, for the most part. I would say the majority of people I see, even if they don't believe that wearing the mask is the most effective thing to do and in, in keeping in, in helping you know from keeping this virus spreading whatever uh, still they wear them um, I I I wear mine um, I just because I think you know I don't want the stink eye from somebody if I'm not and and right. I I think that it has a, a purpose I do um, yeah. and I just think it makes people around me feel more comfortable and I, I know we've talked about masks be, before and and but 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 again, for me, um, I just I, I just the, the business thing here confuses me just because, you know, I read a story actually also about a business. It was a karaoke bar and I don't know where it was, but they were told back in March to close down the first time and they did. And then we reopened and they went through all the. Uh, they met all the guidelines and everything that they needed to do to reopen the second time, which I think they had to have a certain amount of hand sanitizer on stock or in inventory. Um, they had to have uh, certain things, you know, I, I, but they had to put a, put a lot of money sure. in reopening. I, I think it was a couple thousand dollars, a small karaoke bar, small business. You got to wipe off the microphone after each use. Yeah, sanitizer and all the things that they needed to do to to reopen, and they reopened, and they were not open for long before we had the second shutdown, because uh, the the virus, you know, we we kind of went up in numbers right. there with cases, and when they closed the second time, especially after they had put thousands of dollars into meeting right. the meeting the new guidelines to reopen the second time. They said the two owners said we can't we can't do it we are out and they shut down so uh, it's 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 um but again like I said for me I then you see those small businesses that that do make it for whatever reason and it could be very much because of where they're located and maybe they have a more dedicated um, customer base I don't know but. Um, when you have these small businesses closing, but yet you have these crowded beaches. And I, I went to dinner last weekend to a, to a, an area here that, you know, well, well, legacy West, you would have thought it was Christmas time in, you know, Times square. I mean, it was packed and there were people here and there and everywhere. And while the tables at restaurants may have been spread out, we were all together. So, when you've got that kind of activity going on all across the country, except for maybe, I don't know, California and East coast, I don't know. But when you have that kind right. of activity going on, why are these small businesses not 
staying not able to open and stay open. I, I it just confuses me. The inconsistent, and I'm not going to say it anymore because I've said the word inconsistent so many times. Yeah. But I find the whole thing confusing because it is so inconsistent in terms of everything, how we're how we're managing it, how we're responding to it, how we're. Um, so something to kind of try to put your mind around, but um, I don't think anybody has the answer. <laughs> Clearly, no, they don't, and, and and whatever the answer is this week, it could change next week. Absolutely, that, that's again, it becomes confusing for the business owner as well as for the customer customer base because uh, they don't know are are they open? Are they restricting the hours? Uh, uh, can only two or three people go in at a time? Uh, and and maybe I'll just wait another week or so before I even go. Yeah. So that that just kind of comp compounds the problem. Right. And they but, said, like, I know they're having a hard time even um, identifying or capturing the the uh, the uh, a very accurate number of small small businesses closing because these businesses are closing um, at such a rapid pace that they're they're having a hard time even finding the owners after the fact. Right. I have to tell you a, a personal story here in Frisco. Um, I had just joined, uh, I left my big gym uh, back before quarantine or during quarantine. I decided to just leave, at it, take a break from it. Um, during that time, I did a lot of my workouts from home as did most people across the country. And I found that I enjoyed that very much. And so I thought this is a good time for me to switch gears in, in my exercise regime, whatever. Well, now that we're kind of, lifting i believe governor uh, abbott even said we're back up to 75 percent. am i wrong on that a couple days ago maybe but anyway now that things are kind of um lightening up a little bit look the restrictions i found a little local um uh, spin studio you know how i like to spin and right. i'm not going to say the name because I, this isn't to dog them in any way because um it's not their fault, but I joined cause I wanted to join a small gym and, um, and, and get, cause they had just opened before quarantine. They had just opened this oh, small wow. little local spin studio studio. Anyway, I joined on a Thursday and they took, they took my membership and I, and I'm, I know it was very innocently. It, it happened very innocently. I'm sure. But by Monday, but by Monday we're closed. I, I drove up there and there was a big lock on the, on the door and they had closed. And so it's just, it's, it's very unfortunate. And I wanted to try to give them my membership and go. Right, because, because they were small and local. Yes, exactly. Uh, so anyway, so that, that did happen, but it's, uh, and so there you go. It's a perfect example of a business closing in the dead of night and you know uh you, it's hard to even know for sure exactly how many businesses have closed but uh, but anyway so uh but another thing you were talking about things can change this week next week whatever as as it, every day something new develops whatever well this week we're looking at a lot of football stadiums opening um from pro to high school to college. Uh, I know that my high school here is having their first uh, home football or football game this weekend. Um, uh, of course, Dallas Cowboys will be playing here at AT&T 
um, Sunday, this weekend. Um, you've got Baylor University having their first game this weekend uh, on a Sunday as well. And so I think that's great. I think it's great that we're opening the stadiums and all of that, but they will be at capacity as, as we've discussed, most businesses have to be at, they'll be at capacity. And I want to say the capacity is 20 or 25%, which I asked Phil and he said, that's about 20,000 fans at AT&T, which if you've not been to AT&T, it's, Massive. It, it's going to be so. Even if you think twenty thousand fans will be a lot, it's going to be like nothing. <laughs> there, there will be no thunderous, you know, kind of uh, cheering going on. But still, it's open, and the game will happen. And I'm appreciative uh, and grateful for that. Have you been watching some of the, some of the sports on on uh, television? that they're covering some base. I've been watching some baseball and some football and what they're doing is that they are, they are broadcasting crowd crowd responses over the PA systems in the yes. stadium. You know, when, when someone scores a touchdown, I mean, you hear this, this thunderous sound yes. like, like there were 60,000 people in the stadium. And I suppose that's for the benefit of the players on the field, as well as for those, that are watching on television. And then all of a sudden the camera pans around to the stadium and there's nobody, or they have no one on the lower, uh, you know, the, the playing field level that those people that are there are on the upper levels. They're doing that in some of the baseball stadiums. Now, just sporadically, there are seats that are available in the outfield and in the upper decks, but not behind home plate where, right. where all the action is. So it's, again, it's adaptability. It's, it's being able to try and keep the business at hand alive, but also satisfying the, the fan base and the consumer base that, that wants to participate. And I also think to your point, because yes, of course, you know us, we've been watching the minute sports started to inch its way back onto the TV screen. You know, we were all, Phil, of course, was all over it. And I, 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 I thought it was kind of odd at first that we had the, Stick the the cutout fans, yeah. you know, yeah. kind of behind, especially baseball because that was the first to come back. The cutout fans behind home, and I thought that was odd. But then I got used to it, and then I thought, well, at least we're seeing some faces behind the players. Um, and then of course football came back and whatnot, and hockey. Um, but uh, I think that because I have heard that kind of canned cheering, um, and. At first, I was like, well, God, that, well, no one's in the stadium. But, you know, to me, I like it. I need it. It adds to the experience of the sporting event. And it's right. almost like if you think about watching a movie, for example, and the movie has uh, scary music playing at some parts or lighthearted music playing at another part. And, you know, the music just kind of sets the tone for what's going right. on at different scenes throughout a movie. Well, for me, that cheering, whether it's canned or not, I mean, I, I would like prefer it to be real cheering, but right now we can't have that. So the can kind of helps me emotionally connect better to, to the game. And because I think that the, the, it just adds to the whole experience and it, it helps you better connect emotionally like it does to a movie, to a game. That's kind of how I see the canned cheering. Now I will tell you, we turned the TV on the other night 
And all of a sudden we said, oh my gosh, are those real fans? And there were real fans at the game and, um, you know, spread out, but right. they were there. Uh, and that's another question I have for you, Stuart. So we're talking about these stadiums opening. So you have college stadiums opening as well. And at a capacity of, I want to say 20 or 25. So my question, like pro tickets, they already, for example, we're season ticket holders for Dallas Cowboys. We are kind of told how we get the tickets. We pull the ticket, you, know, you have a certain date, you get to go. So there are, it's kind of outlined for us how we're going to be able to use our, utilize our tickets. Well, at college, I have two girls in college now. One's a senior and one's a freshman. Colleges also have big time alums who pay right. a lot, of, who continue to contribute a lot of money to whatever university. So there's been talk about that. Okay, so what, okay, so I'll say, um, okay, so Baylor University, I'll just use them as an example. So they have, a, they've opened their stadium and it's at 25%. And okay, who get who gets first reservation on those tickets? Should it be alums who are paying a lot of money, putting a lot of money toward the campus? My daughter, who's a senior, said it should be seniors because it's their last year on campus. My other daughter says it should be freshmen because it's the first year. Who has first dibs on the limited number of tickets that are going to be uh, reserved for the fans that get to go to that game? Keeping in mind, it's only twenty five percent. And I don't know that there's an answer because you could probably you could probably make an argument for the alums. You could make an argument for the seniors. You could make an argument for the freshmen. Um, or well, whatever, whatever families of the athletes, families yeah, of the athletes. I think whatever the decision, it could be right or it could be wrong. I mean, if if I were the head of that that uh, uh, stadium, I probably would say, look, the, the 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 alums, the ones that have been supporting the the stadium. Uh, financially over the years, they they definitely should be among those people that get first consideration. Uh, for uh, Emily being the Emily, senior, Emily's, booing, Emily's booing you right now. <laughs> is she? Ooh. Well, no, but I'm saying, you know, if if you're talking about the stadium, how, how many how many does Baylor Stadium hold? Eighty thousand. Dang it. So I'll, I'll, I'll get that answer for you. Hang on. All right. Well, oh. let's let's assume it's eighty thousand. Okay. That means that if they allow twenty five percent, that that's twenty thousand people. All right. If you you if you let those those uh, alums uh, and I'll be part of that, then I would say, and and I'm sorry, Elizabeth, that that I have to say <laughs> this, but your sister would probably get the the next nod. Uh, as far as as going because they're seniors and it's their last opportunity to do it. Now it may get down to the point that after the, you satisfy those two groups, now you're going to have to have a lottery system, and everybody else that wants a ticket, your name goes into a hat, and they start pulling the names out, and you get to go. But the next home game, you do the lottery again for those people, so everybody has an equal chance of going, but not to all of the games. Right. Uh, if they yeah. find out that they can go from 25 to 30% to 40% capacity, whatever, by, you know, what, what they're doing, you can see it in the baseball stadiums very often, is 
They are allowing some general uh, uh, ticket sales to come in. But if you look at the stadiums, they have X's on on the seats that cannot be occupied. So it's at least every other or every two seats is a seat that you can that you can uh, uh, occupy. Right. Uh, again, it's it's an adaptability, and what it is now, uh, it may be different in October, and it may be different in November. We we don't know. Right. Right. But, you know, whatever whatever the plan, somebody's going to be upset about it. Whatever the right. plan is, you're but, not going to be able to, and 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 you're not going to be able to please everyone. I know yeah. that. And Baylor actually is right now doing that kind of lottery. You have to go online and get your ticket and whatnot. But I, 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 I would assume, and I don't know this to be true, that tickets are held back for, for big alum and, you know, and maybe even uh, families of athletes. I don't know. Yeah. But and tell, and tell Emily, don't you ever boo me. <laughs> I know. Well, no, and she, but, um, but I was also going to tell you, you were talking about spacing out when you get to the stadium. That's something else. Oh, and by the way, Phil just told me McLean Stadium, which is our stadium at Baylor, is 50,000. 50,000. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you're talking 12,500 is 25%. Oh, oh, okay. You did that. So 12,000 is what would be in the 12,500 would be 25% of 50,000. Uh, and so you have to figure out how many of those alums that you were talking about, the, the, you know, the, the people with the deep pockets, uh, I mean, if I can't, I, I, I'm, it's hard to believe that there would be 12,500 of them. So, you know, you have to uh, accommodate them. If there's a thousand of them, fine. You still have 11,500 other fans that can, can go whether they are going to be able to go to every game. No, I think a lottery system is much, much you know, uh, a better opportunity for everybody. Yeah. Well, you've done the numbers quickly, so there you have it, Stuart. Well, has, uh, the other thing, the other thing is, is, is sit on your couch and have have your food in front of you and turn it on TV and and watch the game from the fifty yard line. Well, I, I, you know, our son Matthew has told the girls because you know he graduated from Baylor a couple years ago, and he said watching parties are just just as fun, if not sometimes more fun. So. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. But the one thing That's I was right. going to tell you is you were talking about spacing out when you're at the stadium. And um, they, I know OU just had a football game. And when you looked at, when they showed it on TV, you could see that everybody is really, really very much spaced out. You could sit with the people, obviously, that you came to the game with, I guess. But then the rest of you are spread out. Um, but in some cases, they're even putting, I guess, kind of like, um, uh, some kind of like device on you, on you, so to, it'll indicate if you're too close to somebody, like within six feet or something like that. Like a bug zapper. Isn't that just, <laughs> <laughs> you're too close. <laughs> yeah, you, you sit, you sit down and say, "Oh, there's a yeah. great seat over there." Yeah. And you sit down it's, and go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of like you know, you you know the invisible bent, the invisible fences for dogs. Right, right. Like we're all going to be wearing shock collars if we if we get too close to one <laughs> <Yes>. another. <laughs> Yes, yes. Here, put 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 on this electric collar and enjoy the game. <laughs> That's awful. That's just awful to even think that that could anyway. Yeah. But, you go, to, uh, go to concession stand and you're standing too close to the guy in front of you. All of a sudden, bzz, yeah. Bzz. <laughs> right, right. 
You know, this whole interaction with each other is, is, is I find it uh, very interesting just in terms of how we're kind of all, um, uh, I don't know, just having to kind of redefine how we interact with each other. And, and you, know, you and I were talking about masks earlier and I saw the funniest thing in the news the other day. It was Tyra Banks and she has come up with kind of invented or whatever this new word it's called smizing 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 s m i z i n g to smize s m i z e we you know with our dictionary is going to have a whole new slew uh, a slew of new words that have come from this pandemic and anyway this one little funny word is tyra banks she's i don't know a former model whatever and it's to smize is really to smile with your eyes. And she thought of it because we're all wearing our masks and you can't. And so, and so if you smile, but if you don't exaggerate your eyes, nobody knows you're smiling. And I'll be honest with you, Stuart, even before I even knew there was a word smize, I had, it had, it had occurred to me that when I see people in the grocery store or whatever, and I have my mask on that, I have actually tried to exaggerate my eyes when I smile so that they know that I underneath my mask, I am smiling. I'm giving you a smile. Right. And so she said, and people have jumped on this word, practice your smizing, which is basically, I'll, I've I'll got have, a light in my eyes. But it's, basically, it's like exaggerating right. your eyes so that they know you're smiling. Yeah. When, when you, when you smile, your, your eyes do get a little bit more, if you, yeah, yeah, but you have to exaggerate a little bit. Like it's a, a new body language. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, you're you're smizing at me. <laughs> and it's it's a new body language, but it's also a new word. And it made me it made me think how many other new words are going to come from this pandemic. I I don't know, but like by the end of the year, that smizing will probably be a new word in the Webster dictionary. It, it, it might be. I, I hope we don't have to smize for too much longer, but right, right. while we're wearing those masks, everybody need to practice. Everybody needs to practice their smizing. Yeah. And especially when exaggerating your eyes. And, and right now, especially because everyone is, is going online and they are buying uh, uh, face masks for their favorite sports teams, yes, you know yes. their 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 favorite sayings, smiley faces, uh, whatever. I think the ones that I think are the funniest are the ones that have the big the big smile on the mask. So when you see somebody walking towards you and they got this big smile, and when they get closer, you realize, oh, that's that's not their mouth, that's their mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I've seen some good ones. I've seen some funny ones. Um, I've seen a lot of different kinds of masks. I have a friend who just bought herself a whole bunch of dress masks for when she goes out, and she bought herself uh, an, a, um, a few of those beaded, you know, just kind of a beaded necklace, and she can it, it, it clips to the mask. So instead of draping it on your ear, you know, you've seen people wearing on their ear or I just put mine on my wrist while I'm running in and out of places. I just put it here until I'm there at the door and leaving or whatnot. But she, when she's going out, she wants to look a little bit nicer with it. So she wears it around her neck on like an, and then she pulls it up and it's beaded, it's pearled, it's, you know, 
I don't know. I use, I just, I just, um, I'm trying not to get too attached to my mask because <laughs> I'm hoping um, it's not going to be a forever thing. So. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, you know, if, if people are going out and they're buying these masks for their favorite, uh, I mean, I can imagine the people that go into the into the football stadium at Baylor and, and they're all wearing these green and gold masks, you know, that has the Baylor logo and it's it's fine. They're going to make a lot of money off of selling those masks, but what happens when this is all over? What are you going to use the mask for? Who knows? I you don't know? know. I, I, I don't know. I've got an idea. I got an idea. Okay. I think you could take it and you and and once once this is all over, you could put snacks in it, and and you know just fill it, fill it with nuts or with candy or something like that, and then take it over to the couch and all and sit there and just you know eat eat out of your mask. I'm sure somebody will come up with a way to reutilize our masks. So let's re repurpose them. Repurpose exactly. Repurpose. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Amazing. All right. Are we are we going to fifty? What are we doing here today? Yeah, I, I, you know, if 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 you've had it, <laughs> I just wasn't sure if we were forty five or fifty. I, you know, we hey, can always. It's up, it's up to us. It's our show. If we well, want to say that's it, we've had it. We're out of here. We can do it. Well, I know one thing coming up this weekend, and I I, pro I probably won't tune in, but um, the award show is it? What what is the award show coming up this weekend? Is it the the uh, Which Oscar? One? I don't know. One of those big, like, I don't know. Is it the I just Oscars? watched the other night. I watched the, uh, the country music awards. Oh yeah. So, and, it was, and it was bizarre. They did it from the bluebird cafe in, in Nashville, which is a very small venue where a lot of young singer songwriters got their start. Uh -huh. You know, it's not a very, very large, but these, these, uh, performers were, you know, by themselves in many cases, like Miranda Lambert was there with just her guitarist, just two people on the stage. And she did an acoustic version of, of, of one of her songs. And it, it certainly, the crowd wasn't there. Uh, so, but they, they were performing and, and, and presenting some of the awards uh, virtually and it loses an awful lot, but, they're they're adapting to that, and now we're getting into that season as we get closer to the end of the year for uh, the Grammys, the Emmys, the Oscars, and all of that. And it's always been the big red carpet affair, and it 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 may not happen. But how is that going to affect the awards show? Well, I don't know, and I and I'm looking right now because I'm so sorry. It's it, whatever the show is. It's it, the awards show ceremony. It's with Jimmy Kimmel. Does that ring a bell? Uh, I don't know. That that sounds like the Emmys for for television. Okay, then maybe it's the Emmys. So whatever it is, it's going to be virtual. And so they've uh, yeah. September twentieth. Yeah, it's the Emmys. So you're right about that. Um, but it'll be virtual, and they'll just have people. They they have to. I I want to say there are one hundred and fifty recipients. I guess award award who will be awarded or. Uh, recognized in some way. Right. So they're going to have to outfit 100, whatever, 150 approximately various locations around the country, I'm assuming, um, of whoever is whoever would have been sitting in the audience who would have been a recipient or a recognized person. That's a, that's a very costly show. Well, <laughs> if you think about yeah, the, 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 
that they're going to have to do and set up in their houses and and well so, just like what we were talking about earlier think of the impact if this was in New York or in LA all these people flying in occupying the hotels visiting the restaurants and all for for the awards show and then all being inside the the stadium or the venue for the actual event that all disappears so the airline industry loses the hotel industry loses the eating venues lose it, it it's putting that kind of an impact for right. the recipients they're sitting in their living room and everything and oh my gosh thank you very much i never thought i was going to win this award yeah you know? yeah well but, it'll be interesting to 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 watch it certainly will be a, a very different show but well um, and i want and i want to say that 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 when we are nominated for an Emmy Award uh, and all, I am comfortable with just being sitting right in my my living room and accepting our awards that way rather than being flown off someplace to do it in person. How do you feel about that? How do I feel about in person versus? About when, when we get nominated for an Emmy Award, do you feel like you really want to go someplace to get it? Or will are you ha just as happy getting it virtually? No, I hope we're at a point where I can go in person. Oh, okay. Well, see that that's a split. I could I could stay home and do it virtually, and you can go yeah. and represent both of us. And don't you have one more thing to say here before we leave? Go right ahead. No, you. Me. I have one more thing to say. You have exciting news to share. Your new show. Oh well, well, thank you very very much. <laughs> That, that's right. We had the promo. We had the promo was online. So you can go to uh, uh, either my web website page or to the Facebook page and all. Uh, Brandon Navera and, and I, uh, he's a local uh, 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 entrepreneur, if you will, and, and, and author. Uh, he and I are collaborating on a show called Trash Talk. I love and the name of it. Yeah, and uh, we we just pick out something and uh, and we just talk trash about it for it's only a it's more of a blog or, or a podcast uh, than than a show. It only runs about 15, 15 minutes, and oh. all, but we're having having a lot of fun with it. Oh, I and got that. Okay, this this coming Tuesday will be the first the first show that'll be released. Okay, that that's really fun. So, are you trash talking things or people or like just or anything? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so in, in the meantime, y'all go out and make it a great weekend. And Vaughn, thank you very much again, spending time with you. And Mark, thank you very, very much for the production. We just absolutely could not do what we do without KVGI Media and uh, a head monkey butt, Mark Warner. So, thank you very, very much. Go make it a great day, and we'll catch up. With you. <laughs> Have a great day. Next week, right here. Bye. Bye.